You're listening to another episode of Battles with Bits of Rubber, starring Stuart Bray and Todd Debrusini. <laughs> So what a time. Uh, yeah, it's all going on. It's crazy. I mean, we were going to chat a little bit about it, obviously, but there's not much point because whatever we say will be outdated by the next day anyway. Um, except, like, the, except for the toilet paper fiasco. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. I mean, That all seems the to be ongoing. Yeah, everyone's just buying up everything. You drive past the stores, you can see everything's empty. And it's like, why? It's crazy. Everyone's yeah, just well, panicking. People, Yeah, people are freaking out because they're under the delusion that Everybody who gets it's going to die, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Anyway. Oh, wow. Life goes so, on. Yeah. Well, let's talk rubber stuff. <laughs> Definitely. Um, rubber stuff and, and CGI. I've, I've uh, been taking some of this downtime to get seriously into my ZBrush self-training, and I'm having a ball. I want to marry ZBrush and have its babies. (laughs) Well, I see you've been uh, sculpting away an Abby Chase uh, head. Yeah, yeah. Is it Abby Chase from Danger Girl? It is Abby Chase from Danger Girl, yep. Oh, I thought so. Awesome. Yeah, it looked really cool. Um, And that's, you know, a nice smooth shape. I mean, there's form in there, but it's not one of the typical gnarly, wrinkly, kind of over-the-top creature things that people often sculpt with ZBrush. Yeah. Uh, I hope to get there skill-wise one of these days, but... I'm starting out slow and just trying to get comfortable with the different brushes and the different forms, and I'm I'm having a great time. Awesome! Is that uh, a printer I can hear working away in the background? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, printing a skull for my friend Corey. She's into everything skulls, so I've got a got a skull cap. I'm printing it in three pieces and printing. I did the jaw already, which. Here's the little jaw. Oh wow, that's great! And Very so cool. I'm doing I'm doing the top of the skull now, and then I'll do the the facial lower portion of the of the skull and surprise her with a little prezi. Oh, cool! So why are you doing it in three parts? Is it because the 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 way the layers sit? Yeah, it, it'll okay. it'll be it'll be easier. It's easier to print with um, a lot less support material. Oh, amazing! Is it as a, yeah, as a natural-looking skull? Yeah, it it looks pretty terrific. Oh, cool! I'll send you the you, file if you want. I was going to say, where did? You... Yeah, I've um, thanks to oh, Thingery dot com, which is a, a MakerBot website. Uh, it's one of the free files that they've many many files. That they've oh, had, okay. Uh, some pretty. Well, cool just point stuff, me, send me a link. That's, that, that, that'd be cool. Because uh, uh, I did try looking for. Yeah, I'm also building a a little. Baby Audrey 2 for um, what the, oh, the, yeah, the yeah, musical yeah. Little oh, Shop amazing. of Horrors. Found a, found a really nice model of, of Audrey on Thingery. You Thingiverse. did, yeah. You were thinking of the Frankie Polito company. That's, that's, <laughs> that's Frankie Polito's company. Uh, okay. Hey, Frank. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well, that Thing, sounds great. Thingiverse. Um, well, uh, one good bit of news. We, got, uh, we finally have our website up and running. Fantastic news. 
Yeah, and it looks wonderful. Yeah, so that was good. So thank you, Barbara, for sorting that out. Um, so yeah, the website, as you can probably imagine, is battleswithbitsofrubber.com because that's how imaginative we are. I've gone for a ridiculous name for a podcast. So now we have a ridiculous uh, domain name to match it. But um, surprisingly, no one had taken it. How about that? Um, but uh, no, I yeah. bought that. Run by two ridiculous people. Absolutely. No, I bought the domain name about two or three years ago um, and was just sitting on it. And I've been trying to get this website up and running. But uh, it's been a very, very busy year. And um, yeah, I actually stopped on a show a couple of weeks ago, not because of the virus or anything, just because my portion of it finished. And then they were going to shoot over in L.A. and uh, Canada. But I think that's all been stopped, as you can imagine. So everything's on hold. Yeah, I've had several projects put on hold, Mm. which... I certainly understand, but it... Uh, it's crippling, yeah. It's, it's not, not making the bank account happy. No. No, I'm the same. Well, we, you know, the, the second all this happened is when all these expenses happen, like the cat thing and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, you know, you can see your bank balance just chipping down, blah, 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 And it must be happening all over. And, you know, most of the people I know are self-employed. Um, yeah, horrific. It's terrifying. And we don't have that sort of backup that you get with a regular job where, you know, there's yep. payments to sort of deal with that. So, yes, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how everyone responds to that. It looks like they're going to be closing the schools here as well as from Friday. So, although why they would wait that long, I don't know if they think it's that serious. But uh, so I'm going to have the kids around. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. <laughs> um, well, you have some, some free shop help. Yeah, there we go. I'll get, I'll get them cleaning molds and stuff. So, so there we go. <laughs> They'll love that. So I've been, uh, the last couple of days, I've been, uh, because I've, I, it, the, the timing of it in terms of like, you know, sabbatical for me has been good. Obviously, this could be <laughs> months and months in the making, all this stuff. But uh, uh, I was planning on taking a month or two off anyway to shoot some videos and, and work on the podcast because we've been very lax with episodes, uh, yeah. which I am keenly aware of. But it's it's just been so tough. You know, everyone's been so busy. It's been flat out for, for so long. Um, but that's all suddenly stopped, so um, so that's worked out well timing-wise to, to indulge in podcast and video editing. Yeah, we can get get to that list of things we've been wanting to talk about. Yeah, so because I was running pieces a lot, and today I was you know editing the video of these um, airbrushes, uh, which were released. Basically, yeah, we've got a, a YouTube channel that you set up, and uh, we just got to put some videos on it, which I'm in the process of working on at the moment. Um, but yeah, and if any of our listeners have suggestions for tutorial videos they'd like to see us put up there please don't don't be shy about telling us what you want to see yes please that'd be great yeah email us at uh, stuartandtodd at gmail.com i've got to get a a domain a proper domain uh email uh for us but at the moment we're sticking with the gmail because that's what everyone's been using um but yeah we've got um quite a few suggestions that are being turned into episodes as we speak we're still writing those um, but I just want to talk very quickly about um, airbrushing cat plastic again, because I, I did, um, obviously, running these pieces for the show, I did a lot of that, and then talking about airbrushes generally. Um, what's your sort of go-to thing? I mean, I've got this iWater, this old iWater, I think it's an HPC something or other, with a big, like, I don't know, it's like a half pint size glass right. bottle that goes on the underside, and it's fantastic. It's a siphon airbrush, but it's really yeah, good. I've got, a, that? I've got a couple of pretty good spray guns. One is a, is a Pache uh, that's got, uh, oh, it's probably a six or eight ounce aluminum. It's a gravity fed sprayer, mm-hmm. uh, which I, which I really like. And then I've got one, picked up one at, at Harbor Freight 
for gosh, not not a lot of money, and it's got probably a pint plastic <laughs> pint bottle that goes on the top. Wow, it's, uh, gravity fed, and they both work really well. I've got them hooked up to my big air compressor in the shop, um, and I I have a you know quick connect hoses for all of them, and that I've got moisture traps and and a, an airflow adjuster right there at the at the spray gun so I don't have to wow. go over to the compressor and adjust the regulator on that I can do it all right at the at the airbrush mm-hmm. and you know cuz the the compressor itself goes up to like 150 psi and oh, wow you know that, that's enough to to knock your teeth out yeah <laughs> I do not recommend that <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because you. Um, we just finished uh, the second part of our article for Prosthetics Magazine uh, about airbrushing, which we thought were gonna, was only going to be a two-parter. And yeah, it just kind of expanded into little, a three. Little did we realize how how long-winded we are. Well, once we started looking at compressors, because uh, the big part of doing that was to just to put out fires, because a lot of people get worried about stuff. So we wanted to go into depth about how you know how to understand things like pressure and connecting and all that kind of stuff with compressors. And it just, yeah, it just kind of naturally grew into something a bit more extensive. So, so that's the case. Yeah, but let's let's hang on a second. Let me let my phone go to go to voicemail. Okay. We'll just play some incidental music while this happens. That that elevator. I was enjoying that. That's good. We should just do that as a separate track. Just Todd singing to himself. <laughs> um, Which I do a lot. You, uh, yeah, and I was I was looking at all the pictures of airbrushes you put up. I've got kind of like workshop envy with all the airbrushes. You've got quite a cool selection of airbrushes. I mean, between us, we have a, an obscene amount of airbrushes, actually. It's, it's you know, yeah. Collected who over needs, the years. Who needs this much stuff? Yeah, well, it's um, it's very very cool. But the ones I was I I picked up uh, for these videos were very cheap ones. They're like sort of ten to twenty pounds or dollars, depending on where you are. Um, and they were you know very economical. So uh, those videos, when they're uploaded, I'll let everybody know. Uh, but we're still editing those now. But um, yeah, I was just using that. So I've got that, and I've also got one from a company called US Pro, which I bought on Amazon and it's a similar it's you know it's one of those kind of HVLP high volume right. low pressure touch up guns so it's not as big as a full size one it probably has like a half pint cup on the top but it's fantastic but you do need a big compressor to produce enough air to pump it out yeah. it works very well I have to say so I'm very happy with that so for big stuff I use that but this this big um, uh, you know I water well it's a standard I water airbrush but it just has a big probably a quarter pint it's like three or four ounces size uh, glass sort of trying you know conical looking right uh, container underneath it's brilliant for that sort of stuff it's really nice nice fine mist i think that some people are, get a little reluctant about running cat plastic through their airbrush because they're afraid it's going to be really difficult to clean if if somehow mm. they don't they don't get at it right away and the and the stuff dries in the airbrush which can create a little bit of a headache, but it's it's much easier to get dried cat plastic out of an airbrush, any airbrush, than getting dried packs out of yes. an airbrush. Yeah, true. Um, I've I 
I am not brave enough to run packs through an airbrush. I, at least I, I haven't tried it yet. No. Um, well, I have just just because just because I know. <laughs> yeah. I what have a procrastinator. I am. <laughs> I have in the past, but it's one of those things where you need a big ass needle. But also, the trouble is, it just because uh, it, it, it's water based, it just beads up on the surface you're spraying unless you have a very low pressure. So you've got to be very patient yeah. with it. And I just don't have the patience to do that. I tend to use if I'm printing objects, I might use like acrylic inks with a bit of alcohol in them or something. But mm-hmm. but yeah, straight packs would be a nightmare to paint. With, with an airbrush I think it would just dry like you say so quick and then it just becomes this gummy mess that just doesn't break down uh, in the way yeah, the anybody out does. there has has tips on how to how to get better at running packs through an airbrush um, you know I'm all ears <laughs> yeah stick to uh, rubber cement I think it's probably much easier to work yeah. with which which also is is pretty easy if, if that dries up in your airbrush all you got to do is just run solvent yeah. In it or let let solvents sit it soak soak the the end of the airbrush in in solvent and problem goes away. Yeah. I think the only issue you might have is if you've got um rubber seals they can get broken down but if you know your True. airbrush well enough you basically look, you know, you should you should be able to strip your airbrush down and 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 reassemble it. But if you keep or acquire, if you know, if you just put the um you do a Google search on instructions for the airbrush you have. Just look at the parts, you know, the, the the name of the airbrush. You should find a parts list. And then you'll see where your rubber seals are. There's usually a couple. Um, you can just take those off before five minutes to take it apart. and then or, or just take the seals off that you need to. There's only a couple you do really need to worry about. But the cheaper airbrushes tend to not have those rubber seals anyway. So, Or, or if they do, that you know, yeah. they're easily replaced. Um, but it's, it's not... I think that's I think that's more true of the single action airbrushes yes, than, the, than the dual yeah, action. Yeah, I mean the 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 the, the single action airbrushes are absolutely perfect for uh, for cat plastic, to be honest. But I've got this really cool tip. Um, I actually got it from mm. it was Dave Elsie's idea. It was a really neat one where he wanted some cat plastic sprayed on the outside of pieces, and uh, I was doing something like that, and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be a cool idea if when I was running pieces. I'd spray a couple of layers in the mold first, just on the mold itself, not on the core. But on the mold surface, I'd spray a couple of layers of IPA-based cat plastic, the alcohol cat plastic. Let that dry and then right. ditch that out, clean out the airbrush, and then push um, regular acetone cat plastic behind it. So you did it in two different kinds of cat plastic. You did the same amount of layers you know, four or five layers, but the first two are, are alcohol-backed cat plastic, and then, and then you back it up with the acetone cat plastic. The reason being that when you take your piece out, the surface of it is alcohol-based. So when you paint it, the alcohol colours you use to paint it really bite into that surface, but they won't go all the way through. They won't go all the way through. That's and, a great um, idea. You still use acetone to melt the edges off, but it just means for pieces that are on collars or cuffs or where there's a lot of contact... The, the, the color is less likely to rub, rub off, so because the surface of it is actually acetone, based, uh, alcohol-based cat plastic, and that seems to work quite well. So it's a little tip. That's a terrific idea. It's not not too unlike um, the bald cap tutorial we did, where we're using different materials. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, for the yeah, bald cap, very well. Um, and it's amazing actually how many times people have asked questions, and I'm like, oh, we did an article about this, and then. Then I have to kind of go through my magazines and try and figure out which edition of the magazine it was and then try and point people towards the subscription. I'm, I'm serious. You have to get Prosthetics magazine because 
every time one comes out, there's about five or six tutorials in it that you really need to watch or you know look through and read. And then the the, the very question that you're asking is there, and it's one of those things where it's like over time you're going to accumulate this this really good wealth of knowledge um, in those articles. So worth looking at. I equate Prosthetics Magazine with uh, Cinefix because it has that has mm-hmm. a tremendously long shelf life. You can you can go back a decade and look at articles in Cinefix and yeah. everything. And it's still interesting. Applies. I mean, yeah. when it started getting more digital and it was not that there's nothing wrong with digital, but from a reading point of view, it was just furrowed brows looking at monitors. You know, it, it, it was it didn't make for great reading in the same way that a lot of the prosthetic stuff did. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, right. that's, a that's a, a fair comparison, I suppose. But um, but yeah, no, it was. Uh, it, it's it's nice to have that place, but yeah. So we we did a, a nice thing about with the, with the ball cap and everything. But uh, yeah, it was, it was Dave Elsie's suggestion to to spray pieces that we'd painted because it was for Dracula, and he'd painted them and he wanted them protected so that when the makeup, the alcohol makeup over for the top went on, it didn't dislodge the the pre paint. So, you know, he had me airbrush a very very fine mist of regular Aston based cat plastic over the top. Um, and it and it really worked. It just kind of locked it in there without disturbing it, and then you could paint over the top, and your alcohol wouldn't dislodge or move the pre-painted stuff. And that made me think, oh, working in layers. And then I started trying running pieces for something else with the alcohol uh, back cap, the alcohol cap layer first, and then backing up with acetone, knowing we were going to then pre-paint with alcohol paints and then spray over the top with acetone um and mm-hmm. i thought oh, i wonder if that'd be useful for you know things like collars and stuff and oh neck pieces where collars would be rubbing anyway i'm waffling a lot i'm sorry <laughs> so what's your favorite cap plastic what what is your preferred well to be honest plastic um, of cap? my favorite that i've ever used ever is probably the uh, motion picture effects um cap plastic chips you know that you melt down yourself those things are amazing the clear, the the clear stuff. Yeah. Do they still make that? Um, they make the 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 liquid stuff, but unfortunately, they're for some reason. I'm, I'm I have to check with Jeff and see why or if they're going to get it back. But they're they're not making the the chips anymore. Got it. Because that stuff which, was great. Which, which is a bummer because that that way you could you could transport that stuff with you and and make your cap plastic on site. And yeah. Not have to travel with acetone well that's it because it's it's flammable you know to ship so they're going to sell less of it um that's a shame yeah um, but it's amazing they, they they sell it in concentrate form uh that you can thin with acetone but they also sell it in a form that's already pre-mixed ready to ready to airbrush yeah and i mean it it's it's water clear yeah it's, it's amazing fabulous stuff because sometimes it does tend to yellow not that that's a big problem but sometimes it does tend to yellow in the bottle but um but other than that if i can't get that my, my i mean i like the regular baldy stuff and, and neil mm-hmm. gordon does one um called keycap plastic which is kind of very similar but he also does the beads which is very good and you can melt those down there so it takes a few days maybe a week in the acetone to break down um but, uh, yeah, that motion picture stuff was amazing. Uh, I do like the alcohol cat plastic. See, here's my thing as well. I mean, I really like alcohol cat plastic as a cat plastic. It's just I don't often I use it. I think generally it's stretchier. Yes. It is stretchier. It takes longer to evaporate, 
and you've got to be more careful getting out of the mould. I have found it's almost impossible to make it too thick when you're building up your layers. It's very difficult to accidentally mm-hmm. make the pieces too thick. Um, Which is not the case with acetone. No. <laughs> no, with acetone it can be very, very uh, spiky like that. But it's just one of those things where it's just messy because it, it creates a lot of cobwebs when you're using it. So it's just not very nice to work with, which is why I don't really use it in demos and stuff because <clears> it's quicker to use acetone one. And it evaporates quicker when it's acetone as well. But, but yeah, but uh, I think other than that, just the regular baldies is, 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 my, is my number two go-to. I've still got a packet of those chips. I'm reluctant to use them now. I'm going to have to save them for something special. <laughs> Man! You're hoarding them. Yeah, I'm going to hoard them. Like the toilet paper! We should probably chat a little bit about our uh, interview this week, uh, which is with Mr. Neil Gorton. So I chatted to him, uh, well, he, w- he was up to, you know, Millennium up in Ellsbury, so I drove up to Ellsbury, so we... So you'll hear in the, the audio, it was in a basically in the reception, you know, in the, in the bar area of, of his hotel. So <laughs> there's a bit lively noise going on. And you can hear it over the period of time. You can hear it get quieter as people sort of leave and go away. And the, you can hear, like, the, the service for tomorrow being put out and there's cutlery being put out on the tables and stuff. But uh, but it's clear enough and it's all a good chat. Um, but we talked a lot about uh, education and about... Um, the reluctance of people to grasp the nettle of difficulty, which is kind of key to a lot of things, uh, because we both teach, obviously, and so does Neil. And it's one of those things where it's a common thread, I find, that, you know, a reluctance to deal with very, very difficult things um, is, is a very telling sign of how people are going to get on in life generally, I think. You know, the people mm-hmm. that take the, the, the path of easiest, you know, the least resistance all the time, they're not going to ride out the difficult stuff in the same way that someone that you know seems to deal with those things and i really wanted to dig a bit deeper with with neil on that people want want the knowledge they want the information but they don't want to have to work to get it yeah well i think i think maybe things in life (laughs) up until recently things in life have been a lot easier compared to how they would have been you know back in the i don't know 30 40 years before so like we say, like, you know, in, in the interview, like, um, you know, just how you would find information. You'd have to know about something in order to look it up and you'd have to go to a library. So there was, you know, there, there was resistance in the way. There was a lot of effort involved in acquiring information. And now you can pretty much find anything you want on Google instantly, you know. so And yet we still get questions fairly regularly from people wanting to know how to do something when I hold back my urge to say, well, let me Google that for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is It is one of those things where, was it someone who posted something about, oh, where can you get a reference of somebody that hanged or something? And it, it was just like, well, Google it. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's, it's a pretty straightforward, I mean, try. I mean, do that first. And then if you genuinely can't find anything, then maybe ask, but. But but yeah, when when the question actually reveals they haven't even bothered looking, that's when it kind of upsets people. Especially when the people you're asking have you know given up everything and worked for years, you know, doing very difficult things to try and get better. Um, you you object to acquire to that. that very information. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so yeah, so it was a good old chat. So um, so have a listen and uh, yeah, and and enjoy the the dulcet tones of Mr. Gordon. The dulcet tones of Mr. Gordon. I do love his voice. 
Yeah, it's always weird. Starting this conversation is weird. As soon as you start recording. Well, Jay is a formal hi. I'm Neil Gordon. <laughs> there we go. You're Stuart Bray. We're having a chat. So um, we've known each other for probably ninety. When did Ryan come out? Two years or a year before Ryan? Yeah, we were ninety-six. Uh, I remember the first time meeting you was at Elstree Studio, uh, Ealing yeah. Studios. Yeah. You came along to Ealing. Yeah. I remember, I was thinking that the other day, I was there on Friday doing the makeup test, and I was thinking, like knocking out Casio watches, (laughs) some display things, fiberglass in those, and uh, G-Shock, and just loads of like shock display stuff. Anything to make a buck? Well, yeah, it was was work, uh, but it was Ealing Studios, I was like, yeah, yeah." I remember you looking through my folio, and like, you know, Mm. yeah, that was weird, yeah, we did the interview there, Yeah, and I was really chuffed. Yeah. You'd have a look at my stuff. It was like, yeah, and I started work, and it was like, yeah, but busy that, ever since. that must have been about that must have been ninety five, something like that. About ninety five, yeah. I left college in ninety five, so yeah. Oh well, there you go. Ninety five, ninety six, twenty five years. Twenty five years. That's fucking. Drink terrible. to that. <laughs> That's unreal. It's fucking scary. Yeah. So, what I when I whenever I do these things, I like to have an angle. Mm. I don't just have general kind of chit chat. My angle with you, the thing I associate you with, you may not associate yourself with this, you may not agree, but I associate you with very pragmatic problem solving when it mm. comes to fixing problems that happen. Yeah. You've never been afraid to fucking grasp the nettle. Yeah. And I kind of want to talk about that in relation to my experience, I'll tell you my experience, mm. that when. I do the job, obviously, but I also teach a fair bit. And when I've taught, I've noticed a decline in willingness to deal with difficulty. Yeah. And I wonder if you would be prepared to talk to me about that and how somebody would... Like, when things go wrong, when you're doing prosthetics or anything, really, in life, stuff goes wrong. And the people that you want around you are the people that fix it. So I want to focus on an approach to thinking about how someone should approach problems and when things go wrong because that seems very important because it doesn't seem like anyone's sort of discussing that and I think that's pertinent because with anything that's complicated and anything of value it's difficult it's going to be hard it's not easy and you know what it's such a valued thing you know I mean I look at people when I see someone who is willing to just step up when something's going you know or trying to fix it is there with ideas uh, and is trying you know I think without being condescending I think these days for everybody oh here's a thing oh there's an app for that (laughs) you know what I mean there's there's someone else you can either pay to fix it or do oh there's an app for it or you can go online and they'll switch your bills you don't have to think and I think there's a malaise that's come into life in general that that I think falls back into that and you get the, the problem solvers our, our industry from day one was entirely a problem solving industry I mean when I started the first problem was finding information yep you couldn't begin unless you solved that first problem I grew up in Liverpool not much of a film industry there in the 1970s and the early 80s 
no internet, no all those things, without sounding like an old fart going, well, if all the internet, it, there literally was. So if you wanted information, you had to solve that problem. Yeah. Go to a library or find a book. Or... And so basically, if you didn't solve that first problem, you didn't get off to a start. So we were all problem solvers. Yeah. And I look back at the guys, you know, the... the because you... Not, uh, image animation, there was myself, Mark Coulier, people like that. We all started there. And we were all kids. And we were all came from the same back. Mark's from up northwest like me. He'll have done the same thing. You, you solve that problem of what the hell is prosthetics? How do I get into it? Yeah, yeah. How do I even begin is a problem. But nowadays it isn't. You can just go, I'm in prosthetics, and you sit down, and within five minutes you're on the internet and you can find out anything. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to a local university <laughs> and do a degree course and meet people like me and you. So, so yeah, the, the art of problem solving, I think, has been lost. Mm. Because the, just in the first instance, by the time people hit their first problem, they could be several years into a career. Whereas we had it before we even... We just couldn't... Yeah. We had to solve that very first problem. Yeah. Which is no information on my doorstep. Yeah, it's weird how... yeah. It's like the information that you could ever possibly want is there, but it's almost like this: as, as the amount of information has become available, the willingness to, to do the, the graft of sifting through it is reduced. Well, it's, and it's, it's a weird correlation, and, isn't and, it? And the thing is, I mean, as much of a fault as well, because, you know, I start a Facebook group, which is all about problem solving, and, and things like that. We did 911 and we did all that. But that's there because actually what it's meant to be is a place to bring a problem after you've tried to do it. Right, right. But it's so many people just go, um, you know, I've, I'm going to do this, tell me how to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, no, it should be when you've been doing it and then gone, I've run into a problem. Yeah. And and I've exhausted all avenues. Yeah. But, you know, you can't say no to people. No, it's interesting because you'll see problems as well on the 911 particular where people go oh I've done this like 50 piece overlapping multiple appliance and uh, my, my sculpts aren't coming off why is that I had this this message the other day where someone was <laughs> trying to float pieces off and she'd had it in water for a couple of days and I was like did you use any release before you sealed it she's like well no the Jew didn't tell me that I was like well so do you know so you kind of go that's a really basic thing but it obviously happens because people have seen people float pieces off so they kind of ape it without really knowing why you would float pieces yeah. off or if it's necessary even or indeed how you would do it and it's that kind of like uh, that's why I like this doing this podcast because we have chats and I get to say to people look the, the thing is a lot of this stuff is really fucking hard yeah, yeah. I mean even for the people that do it all the time yeah. like we're, we're operating at 100% you know what I mean if you, yeah. if you could have a fucking graph showing how your CPU is working <laughs> yeah. when you're trying to figure shit out it's, it's, it's a full tilt and you can't just kind of breeze in and pick up something and, and throw it together because the thing is if it's easy to do everyone's doing it and therefore it has no value so yeah. what by definition what has value what's going to be important what's going to get you employed is not what everybody else is doing easily the, and the other point is that if you can do something really well you make it look easy mm. 
so people do look in on things and think, oh, that's easy. You know, I, this is what was interesting. This is why I wanted um, a prosthetic event this year with Charlie Shaw. Yeah. Because there's so many people who kind of go, yeah, you can do that online thing. You know, I can be a YouTube sensation. And, you know, you, I'm sure you got it from talking to Charlie. And when you look at it, you suddenly realize that the, those people who are the overnight sensation are, uh, you know, after five years of hard work and fine-tuning and honing their craft, then they're an overnight sensation. Yeah. There's still, even on the medium that sells you by its nature the idea that you can be an overnight success and that all you have to do is point a camera at yourself and paint your face and you, you become famous and people throw products at you and you become... It's like it's not. That's no. really hard work. I was, I was interviewing... Um, lady called Vanessa Davis who's the sculptress mm-hmm. I don't know if you know her she's got that wonderful style of those fabulous skulls she does and everything and you know what it was ye- it was several years of doing it herself and honing it and she's really talented she's got a fine art background and all these skills she was a wig mistress for years she- then now she's an Instagram sensation right, right. and everything but she's got all the skills behind her, yes, and a, a decade of being a, a, a you know wig designer and all these fabulous stuff, working in operas. That's why her Instagram is a huge success. Yeah, yeah. Not because she suddenly just thought one day, I want some of that. <laughs> I, I, I'll have a bit of that, and it's like, hang on, I'm on the checkout in Tesco. You know what? I'm just going to go and buy some makeup, paint the face, film a bit of that, and I'll be famous. Yeah, it's like it won't. You still need all the hard work, yeah. even if it's on YouTube, where it, where they sell the idea yeah. that it, these are just people filming themselves. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. Oh, there's often a lot of equipment and a team and stuff behind of, it that isn't evident. Yeah. I mean, Vanessa's phenomenally smart. She understands the media. She understands marketing. She was the smartest kind of marketing person I've talked to because she really knows when and how and the way to deliver and all the platforms she's not just someone who threw up a video on YouTube you know and none of those things are but all of them I mean when you look at the ones that have got a couple of million followers they're a program they're engineered there's people there filming recording editing making sure the sound quality is right SEO all that that stuff that's it massive amount of work goes into it and it's not an easy job and you know people have Vanessa Chuck you know it's like Halloween is the massive time so all August September they're planning they're filming the it's yeah. a business you know yeah, yeah. so I, at the event I wanted to get that point across it's like come and listen to one of these guys because you're not going to go well I won't do all that hard work of trying to get a job in film until I'll just sit at home and paint my face and I'll be famous yeah <laughs> I strive but no no it's weird isn't it because that's yeah, because that's what they're seeing. And it's like, that's not what it is. It's, but there's that, more to it than that. But that's the illusion. That's yeah, yeah. the point of those social media things is they, they, they work beautifully because they make you think they're accessible. Yeah. The more accessible. We've gone from a culture of, you know, people on TV were like up on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Whereas people online, they're accessible because you can talk to them. And you can interact with them. Yeah. Whereas people on telly, when we were kids, we didn't it's interact special. with these people. No, yeah. They, they were gods in another realm. Yeah, you they were, follow them on Twitter after yeah. you saw, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, you can, you, 
people can watch someone and go online and you know talk to them or some people are abusive to them or whatever but you can interact yeah and and it, it democratizes you know and it makes that thing it does it's weird because you can contact somebody and maybe they'll even see your tweet or yeah. whatever message and respond but that doesn't give you access to who they are and what they yeah. do and it's it's kind of cheapening the real meat and potatoes of what anything of value is well you know? but the thing is what what I find interesting is people think then they're watching those things and they think oh it's just a guy with a video he's just filming himself or she's filming herself and that's it and it's not mm. there's a whole machine going on there yeah and they don't see it it's another illusion mm. which I think is very clever it's just you're not with television you you knew there was there was a studio and everyone was there and a newsreader wears a tie and all that kind of thing was these things are selling you the same thing but they're doing it in a way that you think it's you're on the same level yeah and that's the trick that's yeah. what they're doing they're making you believe something that is still alive yeah you know it, it's very clever it, there's a lot of stuff going on there which is that's a good point. It's it's done to make you think yes. you're on the same level as people. And then when you look at the numbers, you realise it's not the case. Because <laughs> no. that's the thing, you, you don't own an audience, you can't make people like you or no. watch you. You've got to come with it. I think the thing is, I was listening to a podcast today actually talking a little bit about similar kind of stuff where it's like the, the, the successful people are like they're business people who use YouTube as a way of getting their stuff out. It's not that they just exist on YouTube. Yeah, you've actually got something first. Once you've got something, then maybe you video it, or you blog about it, or you write about it, or you, you know, you you, you put some of it out there. But you've got to have something first. Yeah, in but order that's to put the classic, out. though, isn't but it? No one's but mentioning that, or, or people don't know that necessarily. I, you know, I've got a nine-year-old daughter. You know, kids go, "I want to be a YouTuber," mm -hmm. and it is the first thing you and I would go, "But about of what? Of what? Yeah. You're nine years <laughs> on the planet, <laughs> you know what?" <laughs> There has to be a subject matter, you know? And, and you will get stuff like my kids watch. Um, I've got two boys, and they'll watch, like, people who rage on Xbox or whatever, and it's like... Yeah. So, so what they're looking at is extreme responses to things. Mm. And it's like, that that can be funny, I suppose, in the short term, but at the same time, if that's if, if you if you think that's the baseline of how things are, then it kind of skews everything, because actually what people need what you and I need like if I fall over and hurt my leg or we mm. call an ambulance or something like we need someone who's competent and calm and capable to come in and make it better and take yeah. it, take care of it all and that's what every, every one of us needs and no one's kind of pushing that point it's always about like it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the top that falls open on a Super Bowl mm. advert or it's, mm. uh, or it's someone falling down the stairs, stairs on a skateboard or something stupid that gets lots of views but it's not that's not what we we need and it's not what you should aspire to be and, and that's and a really old farty thing to say no I know that absolutely and I, and I think this is the you know the, the genius of it and the danger of it all at the same time is the fact that people are watching it thinking it's real because you wouldn't watch a TV program thinking it's real and accessible to you because it, it was on the telly and it was people far away in a studio in London or something. So you knew there was a division. 
Whereas people watch YouTube and think that that, that their neighbours making that program, and that and that they're lulled into that idea that it's all just available to them, which is marketing, which is selling stuff. Yeah. And the reality is, then when reality kicks in, and when suddenly you can't just film yourself and make a career out of this, it's confusing for people because yeah. they're going, but. But it was simple. There was someone just there with a phone filming themselves and they made fortunes. And it's like, they're not. They're really not. They're giving you an illusion. And you've got to understand that, that this is why people get, you know, we see it in college and that people kind of, kind of not making the effort because they go, well, it's simple, isn't it? I've seen people do it and they just do this thing online. It's simple and they're making a career. And it's like, they're not. No. <laughs> they're making you think they are yeah. because that way you'll, you'll subscribe and you'll follow because that's attractive yeah. I mean the good people are like Charlie and stuff they do have talent they're very good but the danger is uh, this is what we're trying to sort of get across is that there are people that don't get from the video the nuts and bolts of what if you were trying to replicate that first you've got to eat your craft like he was trained he, you know he, yeah, yeah, he, he was trained to make up and he worked very time, hard yeah. and you didn't see all of that I no. mean, I know he's been going for a while, but he was good before he fired up the camera. And this is the like, point. People just think, well, I'll buy a camera first because they're cheap. Yeah. I could upload. He it didn't learn on camera. No. He learned before. Yes, you've got to put the hours in and, and, that's and, and the, the graft. And people don't think of it as graft. And that is every single time I've run a course, I'm doing one at the moment, like something I will hear every time on application hours, that the people will say, I had no idea this much went into it. Yep. And it's like, yeah, because if you do a good job, all that stuff it's, 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 it's like if you stop washing like that's when people notice but if you wash every day no one says do you know what I mean? so the work yeah. that you put into maintaining things and you know but, being but good they don't get noticed it's only when you fuck up but the thing notice. is it's nothing new we've all been it's, it's marketing it's advertising mm. you go back a hundred years and read an advert for a you know a, a, or you go back 70 years and there's an advert for camel cigarettes approved by your doctor to help you you know it's lies that's called marketing YouTube now is still just marketing yeah it's just another way to market things and what people do in marketing is they don't go buy this product but it's really difficult they go buy this product it's easy buy this product and you'll be handsome buy this perfume and you'll smell fabulous buy this it's marketing yeah, yeah. so all these online things are going what happens is people don't click on the one where someone goes right I'm going to show you something that's really difficult to do they go alright I'll try another one hey watch this it's really easy I'll go with this one <laughs> you know <laughs> no one's going to deliberately choose the difficult thing so you so they're all just marketing an yeah, idea yeah. And, I've and done a fair few videos like that where people <laughs> yeah. have commented no one's got time for that or it didn't look this hard on face off or, or whatever and it's just like oh god that took so long I'm like yes it does take this long that's the whole fucking point I but did no, like a, a bleeding Stanley knife and it's like it's got to be safe it could be shot from either side it mustn't cut the guy it's got to be reused it's got to be you know all of these things it takes this it took a couple of days well, we've, we've both seen, we've seen it online haven't it? all those people go yeah 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 okay I understand that that's how you do it but is there a quicker, cheaper, simpler way to do yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's like, if there was, we'd be doing it. Yeah. Or not to get the same result. Yes. Everyone goes, yeah, yeah, that's fine, but 
there must be a no there isn't no it's true and if there was you wouldn't like it it'd be like the Aldi of the fucking effects yeah. do you want to be the Aldi of the effects <laughs> yeah. it's just like it's the weirdest thing that, that, this happened last week somebody said what's, what's the quickest way of doing such and such and I said the quickest way or the best way and she kind of the best way I was like because the best way isn't the quickest way because at the end of the day it was this Seth Godin that said if the, rate, the danger with the race to the bottom is you might win yeah that's absolutely it and you know you will always find that we, we will always you know we're, the amount of times we've come up with a little technique where you go my god that's brilliant that's now cut out a problem or changed the process great but that that's little bits you chip away at there's not just this wholesale we can just do away with all this boring sculpting molding casting I mean even the digital stuff you know we've got print is coming out of our ears we're all getting in the still brush. fucking work you know what you've still got to sculpt <laughs> yeah you've still got to be able to sculpt yeah. the computer doesn't sculpt yeah people sculpt yeah. and if you're crap at sculpting you you will be you will suck at sculpting you'll find out quicker digitally yeah, yeah you find out quicker <laughs> digitally <laughs> just as much basically your hands are cleaner that's all but you still suck yeah it, it it's all still process yeah and you gotta go through the process. Yeah, and then and you gotta do the work. thinking. And then you gotta figure out how to fuck yeah. out your, your X axis is off, or whatever. <laughs> it's a, th- it's still work. It's still the willingness to grasp the nettle, it isn't it? It doesn't get any simple. And literally, I mean, I've had so many. We are just turning into two old <laughs> men complaining, but it, it's true. And the, I think the most important thing is, first of all, YouTube and all the Instagram video—they're all still marketing. They're just marketing. Mo- anything that shows magical quick swoop I always kept saying remember Slug remember seeing that the stuff yes yeah, right cutting the Brazilian it. guy and he kind of pasted on the arm and does the quick things and everyone will go brilliant where do I get this it's like no but you don't realise that was just one quick little video it was the action almost sold it slap it on yeah a couple like, of little slashes you can't do it's that like, wow that's magic yeah yeah and the fact is, that, okay, that's a guy who just does that all day long. And secondly, it lasts 30 seconds on the arm and then it falls off. You can't touch it. It's, it's, it's utterly useless. But for that moment of that video, mm-hmm. it was like a revelation to everyone. And still, every now and again, that bit of video pops up and people go, wow, where can I buy this? And you just go, there you go. It worked. That yeah. marketing, that commercial... That sales pitch yeah. was brilliant. It's crap, but it sells. there will be a lot of people buying it. It's bizarre. You know? And, and this is the problem. You know, we're... we're it's, I mean, why has Ellie Max got that kind of pretty Swedish girl slapping a makeup on? Because if it was a, like, baldy, hairy bloke like me or you, it would have, like, 20 followers. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's... That's just the re- it's marketing. They're selling something. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's a weird one. I mean, it's weird because I like. There's a lot of good stuff on Instagram, but there is a lot of a lot of things like when we do, like at the moment with the course, people are like we we ask them like, what do you want to do? You know, think about what you'd like to do. And often people come up with the same thing. And it's it's weird if you're in a position where you set a lot of projects, you often see the same things cropping yeah. up and you kind of know where they came from because you sort of saw the first time it was done, like the first time 
the finger was cut in, in sections and then offset yeah. like a kebab. The first time a playing card was in the face, the first time a pencil oh. was up the nose, the first time a coke can was in the eye or whatever. And they become tropes. And I know there is there has been like divisions where people are like, well, there's, there's pro people and there's people that do it for fun and the pros get annoyed at it. But the trouble is when you're teaching pros on a pro course or someone wants, purports to be a pro and then they bring that to you and you're like, you've got to understand this shit. You can't rock up to fucking Gordon Ramsay with a pot noodle and, and say, where's my fucking certificate? <laughs> I mean, this Do you know is, what I mean? Yeah. Like, all you've done is denigrate the entire notion of what a chef is. I, and I, it, I'm kind of okay. You know, Coke cans in the eyes. A, there's people having fun with it. Fine, have fun. When I was a kid, you know, a bit of blood and all of that, you had fun. You start out having fun. So, I think, yes, the, the, the problem is, when the, someone tries to blur the line and says, this is how you get jobs on movies. It's like, well, no, you don't. You know what? If you want to do a coke cannon, you're like, great fun. Have fun. Have a laugh. Do it really well. Not Pencil the real coke cannon, though, Not really avoid the whole glass and platinum metal. We, it, it, the, the, that's a whole side of it. But the, the simple fact is those kind of internet sensation things, that's the nature. People are always going to fucking copy it. They want to do that. It's fun. Let them have fun. Have fun. But then don't turn up with that in a portfolio to try and get a job on a movie because you'll get laughed out of town. The danger is only the people who are telling people that that is professional work. By all means, say to people, look, it's great, that is great. Where it lives is online. Where it lives is on YouTube or Instagram or all that. That's where it lives. And it's a have new medium and people there. like you and me don't live there. No, so and, and, and have fun doing it. And people will love and you will swap it with your mates and you will do it well and that's great. No one, no producer ever rang up someone and said, hey, we're doing this movie about people who get attacked by coke cans. And, you know, I've seen all the likes you got for your coke can in the eye. Can you come and do the killer coke can movie? It, it's never going to happen. So, so it it exists in its world. Keep doing your world. Keep enjoying that, loving it. You know, if you if we you want to come to the prosthetic event and get some new bloods and everything, come and do that. No, no one's going to belittle you for it. If you're happy doing that, great, do it. But the second you turn around and say, "I want to do this for a living," then you have to kind of go, "Well, okay, I learned a few things there." But now I've got to step up. So everyone's got to start somewhere. You know, everyone's going to start with a bit of nose point in a bit of blood. We, we started with, you know, I started with the Dick Smith kit and everything. I'm sure there was professionals at the time kind of sneering at that. I bet there was someone going, they, what yeah, the hell yeah, yeah. is Had Dick Smith doing a talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? So I've got no problem with the wall at all. It's only the people who try and tell people that that's and I've seen people trying to sell courses going I'm going to teach you you know here's some cocaine in the eye I will teach you this this is movie makeup well it's not no it's yeah. it's internet makeup <laughs> that's fine teach it what it is don't don't pretend it's like as you say there'd be the equivalent of someone saying come and learn to cook and you turn up and there's a kettle and a pot noodle you know that isn't that's not going to get you a, a job in a mission star restaurant You'll feed yourself, but that's as far as it goes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's hard. I don't. I never want to dismiss or denigrate or at all, you know, be cynical towards people who are doing that and enjoying it. No problem at all. 
but as you say understand what it is have do the research and understand that that isn't how we that you know the Oscars were this weekend that's not how they turn Charlie's that are on into you know the, that the, the, the American news anchor one woman there was incredible technical skill you know and there wasn't a coke can in the eye <laughs> and, it, and that's yeah, what one and it's got. really fucking hard to do that stuff and that's so. really hard <laughs> so just yeah it, I, have a have a, an, a a real kind of take a minute to understand the industry and, and understand the scope of it and understand what's involved you know <laughs> We hope you're enjoying this episode of the podcast. Just to remind you that you can get in touch with us through email and our Facebook page to comment, ask questions or make suggestions to us for future episodes. Now back to the show. You know, I'm always joking with my wife about the fact every time X Factor's on, it's like, oh, I'm going to go and be a singer. You know, I mean, I'm too deaf. <laughs> As most of them auditioning are but you wonder how they don't know that they're tone deaf yeah. and that's the humour we all laugh at, you know, at the fact that someone goes on there they do the big build up and when they open their mouth it's, it's a disaster yeah. you're wondering how did you get that why did no one step up and yeah, go yeah, that's, don't that's, you understand yeah that's a really interesting point that you, you mentioned that because I mean I don't sing but that's a very good analogy for how basically you know singers were singers you saw them on TV or in concerts and they were like these hallowed people that had the skill and now you have the X Factor or something like that where thousands of people queue up and most of them can't sing yeah. most of them can't sing well enough on demand and most of them maybe can't follow yeah. you know, and then do it with the pressures that are professional singers so you have to whittle it down whittle it down but there's massive entertainment in watching people sound <laughs> awful and break, breaking down because for the first time in their life someone who isn't their parents has said you're just shit <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean and that's that's funny for people to watch they put it in especially the most reactive but it kind of gives you again a full sense of like the, the bottom line is I think anything that's really really good is rare and, and that's you know, the thing it's not easy it's not commonly found that's why it's good and it's like I also find you know I, I see a lot quoted these days the, the old 10,000 hours thing yeah which you know, again, I you know, you read that book and you go, ah, you see, David Beckham spent ten thousand hours kicking the ball, and now he's the best kicker of the free kick. No, but he also had talent. Yes, you just and talent without do, the work is yeah. no good either. So, so just ten thousand hours of doing something. I know plenty of people in this industry who are freelancers who have done more than ten thousand hours of putting on makeups or making molds. And they're okay, you know. Yeah, no, other they're not. Who were just breathtaking. But there's other people who, with uh, in a shorter amount of time, could do it brilliantly. Mm-hmm. There was just an aptitude, you know. And there is a there's a kind of half and half. There's a lot of effort and ability. Mm-hmm. And when the two things come together, it's fantastic. And that's one thing, you know. There are people who started in the same year and who, twenty years later. Some are, you know, winning Oscars, and some are just the guy on the crew, because one had a certain aptitude, a certain level of skill, plus a certain, you know, thing about them, whether they were just go-getting or whatever. There's so many other elements. Yeah. So, but people again just get stuck on this. They see one thing and they go, 
see, you just practice for 10,000 hours and then you'll be success. No, 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 but if you're an idiot and you wind people up and you're not nice to be around, you're not going to be successful in this yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, see, you can do 100,000 hours, but if you're still an idiot, you're still not going to get hired. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of things got to come together. Yeah. And, um, and everyone wants to dilute it down into those into bite-sized chunks you know it, it, that's the nature of it so it's like you know I'm, I'm going to sing I can walk you know I'm going to this I'm going to sing I'm going to do makeup I, I either I just need to do 10,000 hours or I just need to win a TV show or I just would yeah. no you know you just need to do the graft and try and not be an idiot and try and be and try and be in the right place at the right time yeah I mean this is another conversation we were having online where we are saying to people let's look you know you can have the talent, you can have the training and all this, but if you're, if you're sat at home in Newcastle waiting for the film industry to appear on your doorstep, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to get yourself to London or somewhere where the work is happening. Yeah. Because no one's going to bring you to them. Yeah. I've seen posts on the 911 goes, oh, I, I live in like... I don't know San Diego and like, there's some good schools in LA but I don't want to travel that far and you're like yeah. and you'll be in a workshop with people who like travelled from like Brazil yeah, and they moved they moved country yeah. to try and set up and you go I'm not being funny but do you realise what you're up against because your competition is working harder than you that's all I'm saying yeah, <laughs> and this is it the, the, you know if two people come to say you know if someone kind of says look I'm here and I'm, uh, I, I'm local I'm ready to go and someone else with a similar thing comes I'm here I'm ready to go but I live in Newcastle so I just I'm going to need a couple of days notice if you want me to come down who am I going with I'm going with the person who is there on my doorstep yeah but again people don't they they it's like they don't factor this in or I I think they just don't want to see it or don't want to accept it it's like yeah but can I you know I see those posts going is there any anyone know any effect studios local to me where I can go and you know uh, get work experience it's like well no, <laughs> no <laughs> you're, exactly. you're in you're in the middle of nowhere yeah. and, and no one puts an effect studio there because there's no industry there don't you understand this didn't you look that far ahead yeah, yeah it's tough, I mean it, it? it's not being brutal it's just being honest it's yeah. like look if you want to be in that career be where the career is at be where the industry's happening you know yeah I, I, that's a pretty logical step yeah, so if you want to sell popcorn, be where people are buying popcorn. Popcorn, you know yeah, I mean? you know, come, come work in a cinema. Demand I travel to Scotland <laughs> on the top of a mountain if there's no cinema there yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's a weird, yeah. so, it's a weird one. So it's hard. I mean, the, the hardest part these days is trying to explain things to people without sounding mean, isn't it? You know, you get online and you kind of go, God, I just... I mean, Dick Smith famously had no filter. Mm-hmm. You know, people put Dick on a pedestal. He was an amazing guy, but he had no truck for stupidity. He or... couldn't deal with it. He had yeah. no filter, and he would just say when people were being stupid, and he'd be like, "Yeah, go away and do something else." And and sadly, I think we need more more of that these days, mm. because I think there would be a lot of people who'd be saved from themselves 
And, um, especially if they're really good at something else and they're, yeah. they're sort of like not doing like the world would be a poorer place if like Einstein refused to go to maths lessons you know what I mean because yeah. he wanted to be a fucking I don't know painter or something yeah. like, dude seriously we need the theory of relativity sorted out <laughs> and, and, it is, and the thing is there is a I mean I don't know we're, we're banging on but we're banging on because you want good people I, there's nothing and I think you, to me we both do teaching and we both do a lot of this training and and we're both I'd like to think we're both very good at it and we both enjoy it and for me and I don't know what it is for you but I'm guessing it's probably the same thing there's a real there's something fantastic about meeting someone with the right attitude who absorbs the information who, who yes. you can see grow and and then seeing them go off and do well yeah yeah and and there's a real wonderful thing about it. That's it's, a, yeah. it's a human nature it's to a, want to... I mean, I'm passionate about what I do, so I want to share that. That is a very simple thing. People who are passionate about something usually want to share it. So we're lucky to be able to share it. We can go as far as standing on a bloody stage with hundreds of people and sticking on makeups and sharing that experience. That's a, that's a joy. That's a wonderful thing for me. I love every second of that. And the teaching and doing 911 or having those conversations, to see someone and then go away and then come back and go, I follow, look what I did. Yeah. And it's like that magic. That's absolutely joyful. But isn't it quite rare when you see that yeah. happen? Well, it's kind of more rare now. This is what's getting frustrating. And, and then. And even sometimes you see people who've got the talent. You go, that's fabulous. Why are you living where you're living? Why, why don't you get off your backside and come, oh, well, I can't really. I've just got to wait for someone to come and pluck me from obscurity. Mm. Well, they're not going to. Yeah, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, I want to make it clear that I'm not, I'm not sort of driving this in a way where I'm trying to denigrate people make them feel bad I'm, I'm doing this because the amount of people that you come across when you teach you really want them to know this first before they get into it because there's so much there's so much good stuff in it but you've got to be prepared to grasp that nettle and a lot of it is dealing with difficulty and I see a lot of people who are broken by things that say for example they're making something and they, they've made a mould and they open the mould and the mould breaks and then they just fall apart Yeah, and it's like well the world didn't the go the way broken. I wanted it to. The mold, yeah, the mold broke, and that's a pain. But A, we can kind of fix it. But B, more importantly, let's focus on why it broke and how we stop that from happening. And there's more and more people where it feels like as soon as that breaks, that's it. They're done. And it's like, it's going to get shitter. Trust me. When I'm, someone's paying you a lot of money to do something and something doesn't work, you don't get to just <laughs> back out of this and by it's crying. Still, You've got to fucking figure it out. And it still happens. You know, I've been doing this over 30 years. We, we broke a mold yesterday. We had a mold, we've got runner pieces, and it's a, it's a collapsible core, and I probably did pour the base of it then. The guys were trying to put wedges in, and the crack appears. It happens. Yeah. That's it. What, you, what matters How do we is what it? you do then. Yeah. Not kind of pointing the finger and going, who did this, or this was wrong, or that. I'm no. shit. That's the other yeah. one. People just settle on that I'm terrible. Isn't it? No. How do we fix it? That's the thing. Okay. How do we, tra- how do we learn from this situation? How do we make it better next time? This is a new kind of mold I'm doing. So, how do I make it better next time? How do we resolve the issue? And how do we get how do we get the job done? Mm. That, 
that's it. They're, they're the only things, you know, not sitting in the corner rocking and crying and going, oh, I'm rubbish. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you know, all that stuff is, that's all you want is people who are going to, you know, just grab the bull by the horns. I found nowadays, and this is just a, a something I, I'm seeing because I'm seeing more of that, I found probably I'm hiring more mature students people who've come out who had a career before and then went and and went back to uni or went to college or went and did a course um, like ours or Delamar or whoever because you then at least you've got people who've got real world experience yes and in a way sometimes you get people who are graduate the, the lack of I mean, it's like the CV thing. I was, you know, people say to me, what do you want on a CV? I haven't got any films experience. And it's like, well, of course you haven't, because you're a dude, you know? I don't expect you to have Star Wars on your CV if you've been in education. <laughs> so, so what do I put on my CV? And I said, did you have a Saturday job? Oh, well, yeah, I worked in a shoe shop. Okay, what did you do? Did you, I, I, I would open up, I'd lock up, and I'd cash up. Like brilliant, put that on a CV, and people yeah, are like responsibility. why? And it's that it's like because someone, someone thought you, you were yeah. intelligent enough and responsible enough to have that responsibility, and you did. You you know how long were you there? Oh, I did it for three years. Fantastic! Mm. You lasted three years. You clearly weren't an idiot then. You did a, a in a service industry, which can be tough. You get difficult customers. You get it. This is what we do. We deal with producers, directors, actors. All of them can have their attitudes. All can have their problems. All of this is, is problems to solve. And then you've got to be there on time and you've got to wrap up on time and you've got to clean up. So, yeah, though, that three years doing the Saturday job in the shoe shop, to me, is far more valuable than two short films giving someone a bloody nose. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm looking for the shoe shop experience. I want that point. on a CV. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to work yeah. in it. You know, but, it, it, but it is. It's like, God, you've done something real. And um, a lot of people, you know, I, I, I find that preference now when I see someone come in and they're clearly a bit more mature. Just, they've gone and done a degree. They've obviously followed their passion. They've probably thought about it more. Yeah. It's been a bigger step yeah. to do. And usually I find that they're the people who come out with a far more realistic attitude and just the ability to deal with the job a lot better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm just, I don't kind of exclude people, but the reality is they're just the people that say I, I find myself gravitating yeah. more towards hiring because, and they work out really well. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think they're just being more realistic because they've, they've potentially spent five years working in a job they didn't like. Yes, but that shows some kind of metal and, you know, persistence. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And it's one of those things where a lot of colleges and a lot of makeup schools, they're coming straight out of school or it's their first time away and there's so many other things going on. Yeah. And they're still trying to figure themselves out, in all fairness. Yeah. I, I totally understand. Um, and it's a tough one but it can get in the way of business and it's like I don't know I just kind of want people to know that it's like well, 
It's a call to arms for competency, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, Do you know what I mean? I want people to be good at stuff, and yeah. sometimes you need to get over yourself before you can shut up and listen yeah. and the amount of time and I'm sure you're the same from experiences at the moment where you're pouring your soul out and you'll do what you think is a really good rendition of something that matters yeah. and you see it and it, it feels like showing a really good car trick to a fucking dog sometimes <laughs> like, like you, you poured your heart out and either people are on their phone I'm serious people are on their phones mm. they didn't even notice or five minutes later they'll ask you the thing that you just showed them and it's like for fuck's sake would attention you span you know what I mean and it is and you've got to understand that no one's looking to hire, in any industry nobody wants someone that doesn't give a fuck well the thing is we haven't got the time or the money either no you know it, it's interesting I did a we did a costing exercise and we were looking at the prices you know what we were charging 10 years ago compared to what we're charging now it's not much different but that's the market forces <laughs> yeah, yeah everything yeah. else has gone up the wages yeah. have gone up material costs and everything but you can't charge a lot more um, for the work uh, because if you did, you'd be out of step with. Yeah, the, yeah. and it, that's just an idea. You know, that's what happens. You know, if you're if there's five of you doing one kind of thing in the industry, there's a certain level. As soon as there's fifty of you doing it, then those people have got a lot more choice and they can get at different prices and everything. So things change, and and so the, to combat that, you just have to. Be adaptable, be smart, find different ways to work. Same with the education, you know. I mean, you had to, there weren't many places to choose to go and learn to do this. Um, most of it was private courses, like myself or Delamar, as I say, or places like that. And I think the only colleges really were, you know, Dawn Craig. Dawn, well, there was Dawn Cook. Lord, back in the day, there was places like Dawn Crag, which was that you're going back a very long time, um, or you know London College of Fashion. Yeah, obviously had a course, uh, and then the others were like modern making courses. Right? It was like oh, was uh, it? Yeah, Hatfield or wherever, and Wimbledon. Yeah, 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 and that was it. But of course now you've got so much attention, so many, and you've got massive choice, and it's fantastic. But. Um, yeah, it's just changing the way it all works. But it's still competency that people want. Like Absolutely, that, that doesn't change. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about what something think. else for well, God's no, no. sakes, well, because just we're, thinking, just, we're just we're just so let's just moan for half an hour. <laughs> let's talk about um, what like some 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 very real world things people could do if they were interested in doing it. What they could do to get themselves. So let's assume you can't afford to go on a course. Like you say, you've got all this stuff online, but you are one of the people that will watch the videos and learn. Yeah. Like, I got a couple of things I would suggest. One is, I think doing self-portraits would be good in clay. Oh, and one, one exercise I would do is get a board and get a bag of clay and do a self-portrait. The reason the self-portrait because you'll always be there when you yeah. can do it, right? Yeah. So you have a lighter and a, and a lump of clay, and you basically do your face and set yourself like half an hour. Do the best you can in half an hour. Take a photo of it. And at the end of that, rip it all up, put it back in the bank, and do it again tomorrow. And just do that every day for a month. Yeah. And then every day you're spending half. So that's 15 hours of total sculpting. And look at the do a photo every day and just see what your first portrait looks like and what your last portrait looks like. And you will see an improvement. This costs you 20 quid for yeah. the materials and bag of clay. Do that because it's it's virtually free. We're still we're Something still like in the situation. There was someone I think posted in, in 911 actually yesterday going, I'm a tutor, write the course. Should I be ditching all this plaster and latex and yeah, stuff? Yeah, I saw that. And, uh, you know, digital. It's like, right, I, we, we 
we still do, you know, just because the computers exist and you can do 3D modeling printed doesn't mean we don't, won't still use clay, plaster, latex and all yeah, those you things. Yeah, what's the right thing. It's, it's just another tool. Yeah. So it's another thing to learn and there might be something, but, you know, we've been effectively making prosthetics the same way since the 1930s. Wizard of Oz. You know, it was a two-piece mold, it was plastic, foam latex, grease paint. The fundamentals are there. We've just found other materials and things to play with. So, so actually, if you go back to that, still, plaster, clay, latex. Cheapest chips, and you can still do fantastic work with it. And we still do stuff like that. Yeah. We still use those processes. We still do a slush latex thing we still make feet on creatures out of slush latex because it's really durable it's super durable light, it's super quick hollow, it's light cheap, quick yeah with, and we need a plaster mold for that and we need to and with sculpting clay it's the same things we're not throwing those techniques away because the, the new stuff's come along no you use it as well it's like, I had a job I did a makeup test on Friday during the makeup test this happened this weekend mm. during the makeup test uh, something came through where they changed entirely what they wanted to do <laughs> and they were flying tomorrow so I had to make pieces over the weekend so I had to sculpt seven pieces on the day I ran them in silicon T20 that night in the morning I opened up and ran two sets of pieces now if I was printing those moulds even if there was a printer they that would do be, it they wouldn't do it it would have been another two days before they were printed no. do you know what I mean they, assuming the printer went didn't and, fuck and up. so it's like it has its place but it doesn't sometimes and, and this is the thing you know there is still a call you know we, I, as I say we, we model and print loads of stuff yeah so we do know it, lots learn of it, it get a printer but we also <laughs> do all the other stuff as well yes we're, nev- we're not throwing that all away and I can't see a reason to throw it all away it's yeah. as you say you know th- I can sit with a bit of clay and I can make a wound I can make a, li- a small piece I can do a flat mold things we couldn't do before that quick yeah, yeah. now we can they made it quicker we can, I can sculpt I can probably literally sculpt in 10 minutes a wound yeah. I can pour on the silicon that was set up in 30 minutes and peel it off I can cap plastic and have an appliance out in 2 hours easily yeah. whereas before it would have taken longer but it's still the same process clay mold cast yeah yeah and just tweaked yeah and it's not like you have an inventory of eight things you're allowed to use yeah. if a new one comes in you have to empty one out yeah you just add more to your inventory don't you so so all of these things all the the what was what was the point of this conversation i can't even it was remember basically the i was trying to say what 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 is it that people can do oh, in a real world sense what can people do right so now to, to the start point, eating into doing so this. the point is that we still need the fundamentals yeah. I mean it's like we're saying even digital modelling digital sculpture it's still sculpture it's still sculpture yeah. you know I did my first digital sculptures and people going wow and it's like yeah I'm awful at the, the, the software but I'm a sculptor yeah I know what it so, should look like <laughs> so my sculpture looks better than someone who knows the software and has learned the software for years yes but isn't a sculptor yeah it's like having a really good typist that can't think of plots yeah. it's like they're not going to produce good novels <laughs> they'll type it in fucking the, 80 the, words the, a minute the spacing but will be lovely it'll be perfect yeah but the story's shit it's, it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's simple as that so you still need those skills so basically you still need to so fine I mean, a couple of things. One, you can do the practical thing. You can get a lump of clay, as you say. A bag of pottery clay is, what, tenner? Fifteen yeah. quid? Yeah. Um, 
nearly any town you will find a pottery supply or any big town you know um you you look at potteries and pottery supplies and you will usually find somewhere you can go smooth back, gray clay yeah smooth buff body gray but done yeah and that's it you can build an entire portfolio just over just with sculptures yeah uh, board i mean that most basic latex mask you know take a board yeah for a square block in the middle sculpt sculpt faces half a face it's not even multi-piece mold it's half a face yeah make a plaster mold cast the latex out and paint it done there's people who get hired just on those things yeah and that and you can make one of those 15 quid for a bag of clay 20 quid for a bag of plaster depends how much latex you want I mean latex tends to go for about a tenner a litre yeah but if you're going to make a bunch of these things you know you'll use this a lot you know? and you'll buy a big thing so for under a hundred quid you could probably produce 20 masks and and learn a ton yeah but, but I see it straight away people are buying silicon making trying to do multi-piece molds it's like whoa yeah yeah they don't you know, know why they're doing it. No. Why, why they, do we do this? Just, yeah. just, just sculpt something. For God's yeah, sake, yeah, sculpt yeah. something and then sculpt another thing and another thing. And, then, and we do come back to the 10,000 hours then, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Your first sculpture will t- be terrible. Your second sculpture will also be terrible. Probably your fifth will be pretty shoddy too. By the time you're up to 10, 20 sculptures, you start to make a bit of headway. Yeah. You start watching the, you know, again, let's go to YouTube. But let's watch good ones. You know, it's very hard to put a YouTube tutorial up of bad sculpture. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's. I've not. Can't. No, you look at someone really good like Philip Ferro. Philip Ferro. I was about to or say Emilia, Philip or Emilia Rowcroft stuff. Yeah. It's just like you know, there's stuff out there, and they've got you know, and books you can and go stuff on, and, and you can get the basics, and you can follow them, and and see how they're doing it, and you can make your own tools or make that, and suddenly you're doing it. Mm-hmm. The thing though is that most people look at that and go well that looks a bit hard and it looks a bit boring I'll go over here with this coke can and a bit of blood that looks like a laugh yeah yeah <laughs> it's a like, thing isn't it okay it is a laugh it is a laugh you'll have fun it'll be a hoot you'll never get a job no but see this sculpture and if you do that portrait and if you work that out there's a much better chance of getting a job and this is the problem we're, we're battling against the people who, who see they see what they think the yeah, industry yeah, yeah. is. Yeah. They think it's that. Yeah. They don't realise it's actually people making moulds and working out technical problems and doing all this stuff. You know, I, I start lectures and by explaining that you know most of the work. You know, we can spend six weeks working flat out doing moulds and casts and all this stuff for one day on set mm. with a makeup. So the bit you think is the job, which is gluing something to someone's face, is actually, might be one sixtieth of my work. Yeah. But that's the bit you see, and that's the bit you think the job is. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that thing, especially with good prosthetic work, it's all the stuff you don't see. It's like it's hiding in plain sight. Like yeah. a, a basic thing, like a cutthroat or something. Like you want people to see the cut, you want people to see the blood. What you don't want them to see is, is the you know the, the sixty inches of edge. Yeah. That the piece is made up of, and, and all the overlaps, yeah. and the fact that it's the right color for the skin, and all that effort. It's really hard to make something look perfectly real. 
I, I'm, I'm astonished. I'm constantly astonished. Uh, given the amount of people doing it, you would expect the craft to to have progressed. And I think we had an era 20 years ago, 15 years ago, where we had this real accelerated technical advancement. The silicons, the silicon appliances, and you went from stuff that looked like old age makeups to stuff that looked like real faces. The, the stuff that, that literally can pass for real in person, which is phenomenal. When I started in the industry, nothing could pass for real in person. You knew it all looked. Well, you were like doing a lot of the gelatine yeah. makeups, weren't you? All those kind yeah. of like fake over celebrity things. They they had to look real. Yeah. That was something that those kinds of programs weren't getting like you know Oscar attention, but they had to look real to the eye, which is quite a tall order. And what they did was make us think differently, because suddenly there's a kind of TV show that you, is now, you know, was unusual. Yeah. There's a kind of approach, and there was just stuff you had to do, and you and you learned fast. But also, I just think that you know, the bringing in the silicons and that, and we, you know, we went from very lots of two-piece molds or fiberglass molds and foam running, and we invented a whole new technology. And now we've got different epoxies and the PUs, and we're making these pieces. And the, there was it was a complete reinvention for a while, and then I, I honestly think we kind of hit brick wall. You know, all we all we seem to have is lots more people doing, doing the same things. thing. Yeah, yeah. When I was expanding it, and but they're not even doing that further. It's almost like it's taken a little step back, and you know, because really, twenty years ago, no one was doing anything in wax, right? Now, there's people. The internet's full of people slapping wax on their face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sales of wax have rocketed. Weirdly, because you think surely, <laughs> but but it was it was something we'd all forgotten about. Yeah, we, yeah. we we kept a little pot in a corner in case just you in just case. had to patch yeah, it, yeah. right? You would never even think about actually doing a makeup with it. But the internet's probably pushed that because it's very attainable, and you don't need new molds, and it's an attractive prospect. Isn't it? And it, it and it looks like what people think makeup is, which is you pasted on the face yeah, so yeah. so in a way I think we are we're kind of stuck at yes. the moment I'm waiting for something exciting to happen you know and I if you can feel it you think something will well I don't come from somewhere you weren't expecting it'll be like, oh. potentially I think there might be I think the thing that will change if we if we move off and down another avenue now if we're talking about the future of the industry um I mean, people are talking about print molds and everything. I don't think that's particularly anything exceptional. No, because uh, also it's, it's just a new technology a new t- doing an old thing. Yeah, it's, you know I mean? it, we're still doing the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's like laser cutting swords instead yeah, of yeah, yeah. <laughs> cutting it out by hand. Yeah, I mean, it, we're still it's fine. I've got yeah, a new yeah. tool that does it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not a that's not a massive advance to me. Um, that's not really changing anything. You're still going, well, you printed the mould, yeah, but you still spray the cat plastic and pull the silicon in and squish it. <laughs> so, or inject it. It, it. That's effectively still going back to what they were doing on The Wizard of Oz. Mm. <laughs> it's mm. not... There's nothing exceptional there. There's nothing new. Um, the whole silicon thing transformed, obviously. It's a whole new material and how we work with that and then finding that we can do so much with flat moulds. 
So there was a big shift there. And what was great was it made things much more accessible, much more, much easier. But, but actually, you know, printer moulds isn't easier. You know? First you can learn how to sculpt digitally. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then work out all the logistics of that. And then have printers. It's actually much harder. Yeah. So, well, especially if you already do it traditionally. Yeah. So, so that's not really a massive advance. That's just another bit of kit, which once, once it all settles down, it will probably work out fine. No, I think, I think the big change is going to be um, the materials. Yeah. Because we're still dealing with loads of stuff that kills you. Yeah. You know, we're still spraying acetone and <laughs> all that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's somewhere someone's going to crack. And they're already doing, they're doing gels, which are soya and, uh, you know, uh, like alginate-based gels and things like that, which someone's going to come up with a gel system that is all organic. We're going to get something like that. and yeah, all, all of that kind of thing. There will be somewhere between gelatin and silicon and there, there will be a something that will happen. So I think it's going to be a material shift that's going to give us other options. It will sort of, again, it will sort of also be the same process. I can't see us changing the process. Yeah. yeah. You know, that process, that life cast, sculpt, mold, it's been identical since so, for, for 90 years. <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. Literally identical for 90 years. So when, when, what can we do differently? Digital. digital. <laughs> well, is it CGI? Um, but again, it's that bringing together CGI and what we do comes together so much yeah. more. You know, in the workshop, we got that. We 3D model and we switch files with the digital people and we, you know. Yeah, I think, I think that's a natural that thing. progression. And it's quite amazing how many people think stuff is digital where it's like practical. But also the sensibility of stuff that's digital. I mean, I'm trying to think of people like Martin Rizard, you know, who sculpts yeah, a lot of stuff digital. Yeah. But he's bringing with it that sensibility of, of clay well, it's still it, sculpting it's still well, that, that's rendering why the, the early days of CGI was so terrible it was because they weren't using sculptors they were using people who were the software, computer yeah. nerds yeah, yeah. who knew the software but couldn't sculpt for shit basically so mm-hmm. so yeah they might know how to do the software or they couldn't animate I mean that's why Jurassic Park was a, the thing that made Jurassic Park was Phil Tippett mm, yes because he was an animator yes, so he, he brought an animator sensibilities to it and he, he he made the system so that animators could animate because he knew all the people doing all the computers were geniuses but they didn't have, they didn't make dinosaurs run around yeah you needed these kind of boffins who sit in dark rooms and like to move little clay models of dinosaurs a yeah, millimeter yeah, yeah. time you know, and got excited by that yeah that's interesting because that comes back in a way to the whole makeup thing like when you do a makeup and you look at some really nice subtle makeup stuff it's the nuance that's very hard to describe that yeah. tips it into the real you, sort of you've thing. got to really I mean it's the stuff you go and teach mm. you know and we try we try and have that conversation explain I try and have that and explain to people what I'm looking at and what's what, what's going on in my head when I'm thinking it um, you can't there's a there's that last 10% and you just can't put a uh, you can't put it in a textbook you can't write it down you can't explain it 
and I'm there with very experienced professionals who are trying to copy what I'm doing and they can't quite because you know it's instinctive it's intuitive um, and yeah you know there's just an element that you can't put words to so so yeah for me it's there's always going to be that kind of skill to it and it's interesting I find it I'm always fascinated by the teaching of, of things mm. and the process of teaching. And well, it really makes you examine why you do the things yeah. you do. And people ask you questions that you wouldn't even fucking expect in that to come at you yeah. as well, which I think is quite nice. Well, I love, I mean, I explain to people that it's great to go off and teach because it's exactly that. You, you then find yourself having to explain why you do something. Yeah. So if you're an artist, if you're uh, you know, a technical person or whatever, you might happily sit in a corner doing your work all day long and never analyse why you do what you do. Mm. Why do I do that particular thing with the clay? Why do I use that tool? Why do I... While you're doing it, you don't think that. But when you have to teach it, yeah, when you have really to explain examine. it, you do. You, you dismantle, you examine your process so much good. so for me my makeup got better yes because you really picked it apart because yeah. suddenly I was analysing because for me to explain to someone else I have to analyse it so I've got to stop and think why do I use those colours why do I sculpt it that way what and suddenly it opens up a whole thing so the teaching for me has been a it just goes hands in hand, yeah, hand in hand with the process. Yourself, don't yeah, you? yeah. <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal. It's been a, you know, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love that process, and I love that discovery because just as much as people who are learning from me are discovering, I'm discovering, mm-hmm. and it's that great joy. You know, we're always we're always learning. Yeah, and I'm still learning things, and even when I'm teaching, I'm learning things, and and sometimes I'm just I'm literally explaining something, thinking. I never thought of that. I never thought of why I did that. And now that I say it, I suddenly go, ha ha. And also, that's opened up other possibilities. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've become, um, it's like with sculpture. I think my sculpture's improved because I've taken an interest in psychology. Because of how we see which also goes hand in hand with doing disguise makeups and things like that um, because how people see and the mechanisms for seeing and how we process things feeds back into sculpture you know because it's that thing you know I'd say to students it's like I can put a life cast there and give you a lump of clay and the amount of you who trying to copy that life cast you can stand there with calipers you can do everything and you still do a crap job why? And it's because you, your brain is, has certain kind of ways it processes information. So to be good at sculpture, I think anyone can be a sculptor. I genuinely think that. You've just got to overcome pr- certain presets, yeah. <laughs> you know. And if you can get past those things, you know, if you can look at something, you know, I'd say it's like don't look at an ear. Don't look at an ear look, or don't look at a nose what you do is look at the forms and look at the geometry you know if I ask you to make a cube you can make a cube because it's numbers it's equal attributes equal sides equal faces equal that da, 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 da. it's a cube mm-hmm. any idiot can produce a cube 
But then if I put a nose there and say it's got the nose, suddenly you can't do it. And it's because you've called it a nose. And now it's a part of a feature of a face and all that. And a nose means different things to different people. But a cube doesn't. A cube is just a cube. Right. And in terms of form, you can break something down into... And I can break that down into measurements yeah, 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 yeah. and angles. So if you break down a feature into measurements and angles, now, stop calling it a nose, call it by its measurements and angles. Now you can produce it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so if you ask a guy to reproduce any mechanical shape, he can probably do it. Yes. But the minute you go do a nose, yeah, yeah. it's a problem. It's weird, yeah. It's and, very good and there's a whole, and so as soon as you start working with those kind of ways of doing it, you learn it's how you process information. Yes. Um, and yeah, there's there's just lots of clever tricks you can do. So no, I'm obsessed now. I, I'm totally into <laughs> kind yeah, of psychology. Good, yeah, that's a really good because point. so much of what we do and how we achieve is uh, about having the right mm. process mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then understanding the things we do, we do so many things that we don't think about, and we're just trained to do. We're, we're just built to do. So as soon as you can start adapting that, now you can learn new yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that's what most of the blockage is. Yeah, in learning a new thing, or learning to do sculpture, or learning to paint. I think that's what's hard when people are starting out when they do stuff because if it goes wrong or it doesn't feel like it's going well, it doesn't why. reward you. You don't, you don't get that. What that what's that hormone? Yeah, you yeah. know, you don't get that. Kind of surge it's of, like when you're in the gym and you get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you don't get what that. What the hell is that called? It's an endorphin rush. Endorphins. Yeah, that's yeah. It. It's like so when people when people yeah. sculpt and you know what it's like. You sculpt something that goes really well or it looks good enough in the time you've got. You know, you've only got an hour. You get a buzz. Yeah, and you, get you get a little buzz out of it. And you get all fluffed up and all excited. So. But the, the, the absence of that, maybe at the beginning, can be quite quite hard to take. But like you say, it's it's sort of catching yourself going, oh, this is because my reward mechanism isn't being met, yeah. so it's making me feel this way. And it's not unique to you. Uh-huh. It's just you're only able to experience your feelings. So you mm. think you're the only one that feels that way. But actually, secretly, yeah. everyone's feeling their own personal hell. That's yeah. I find that a lot, mainly, mainly in makeup schools. It's not you. It's the it's just fucking hard to sculpt it's yeah. not you personally do you know what I mean I, but I start everything going right you know we're going to do a sculpting exercise and you will all be shit mm. <laughs> I mean and it's not I'm not being rude you just will be because you know what I was too mm. my first sculptures were awful yeah they were terrible it's I was hard. not I was not a natural sculptor yeah. the stuff I was doing even when I was starting in the industry in the 20 and 22 and 25 I don't think I started pumping out a decent sculpture until I was in my 30s genuinely I can point I can show you pictures stuff I've done and go look at that god what was I thinking that was awful that form stuff it's it's the 10 hours and hours thing it's the this it's that but it's also it's under it's training your brain. I'm much better sculptor now because I broke it down differently. I under I took I, I analyzed it in a way that was because people get into this they get obsessed about innate ability. You know the idea you're born mm-hmm. with ability, mm. and some people aren't. You know you, whether you're Beethoven at three years old knocking out a concerto or you know. Um, Salvador Dali or Picasso who could draw a perfect circle it's a Dali or Picasso could draw a perfect circle yeah. at the age of yeah. four and got bored for yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so some people idiots they're just wired that way and that's great mm, mm. but most people aren't 
and then you've got to find the way to work and and sometimes it works through just repetition yeah 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 but that can only go so far but the minute you understand how your brain works suddenly you know it's a it's a revelation you can yeah. suddenly see things so much better because you're you you naturally put blockages there. You put there. I mean, your brain just doesn't take information. It doesn't take all the information in. It's not interested. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I say to students like, look, here's the thing. You probably came in this morning. You might have stopped at a shop, bought a, a packet of chewing gum. Now, if I ask you what the person in the shop looks like, you might go, oh, uh, female, uh, young, dark hair. You know, I mean. Yeah, you, you might latch on some a of it, things, yeah. But when you go back and look, you might go, "Oh, young," and then you go back and find that they're actually in their late forties, and, and suddenly there's like key things you're getting wrong because you just don't take that information in, you know. And it's uh, there's another one which is like, right, you know, draw a horse without having a picture for it. Draw a horse. Every day of your life, you probably see a horse. You see a horse motif, you see a horse in the way. You go past the field, there's a horse. You watch commercials, there's Lloyd's Bank, there's a horse. Everywhere there's a horse. Now draw a horse. And you'll get something that's sort of like a horse. You go the, to the bank the to find the information there. in your head and it's not it's there. Not there <laughs> because your brain doesn't need it. It's mm. not interested in holding on to all the detail of what a horse looks like. Yeah, But it's got enough so just so that you've got just enough information so that when you see it you're not going is that a llama is that a camel yeah, will is it that kill a horse? me no yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a horse yeah, I yeah. know the things that say horse yeah I've ticked the mane tick tail tick I've ticked all the boxes that's a horse yeah but you can't you can't construct one yeah, yeah. from memory yeah and and that's because your memory just does not work that way you know and that, but that's why we like cartoons that's why we love that's why Disney is so successful because it's broad strokes it's mm-hmm. simple shapes and, it's, and it picks a, a character with big eyes or evil brow or big chin they tell simple stories yeah, yeah. that we are designed for those simple broad strokes you know. yeah, 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 but when you're responsible for constructing something in great detail, you are burdened with your knowing stuff. That. So you've, got to, you've got to feed it. You've got to yeah. look. So yeah, yeah, you're right. So, okay. so you struggle then. So when you look at that face, the problem is your brain goes face. It goes nose, and it just does a thing with two holes. In it. Yeah, and you'll do the same thing. You'll so draw when you try and sculpt it, yeah, 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 yeah. So when you try and sculpt it, your brain's telling your hands to just put a blob and two holes. Yeah. But the nose that you're trying to sculpt looks nothing like it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I do a drawing of a pig. It's just a circle with two points. And I do that. I do the circle with the two point ears. And I go, what's that? And some people go, it's a cat. Some people go, it's a pig. Some people go, and then I, I or I'll do two. And I'll do one with the circle and do the pig's nose. And be, oh, it's a pig. But then you've got the same shape. And then you put the little Y shape dot and do a cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, there's so it's the absolute minimum of information, but you absolutely definitely know that one's a cat, and know that one's a pig. Yeah. But neither of them look anything like the real animal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the irony. But your brain just has some very simple. Yeah, it has a low resolution is, everything. Yeah, and that's it. It has a low resolution image of everything. Yeah. So when you come to do a sculpture, 
yeah. it's telling you to do the low resolution image. Yeah. And and even though the damn thing's there, you can't do it next to it. Yeah, yeah. But if you go so right, learning to forget it. it. Yeah, now yeah. now turn it into a cube. Now turn it into a triangle. Oh, I can do cubes and triangles. Yeah. So it's just a, a higher resolution cube, isn't it? Yeah, Made yeah. up of lots of And plastic. now we yeah. just learn to do the measures and the shapes, and now you can do it. You can break it down. So, so yeah, there's a whole thing with that. Is when you get into that, there's a whole rabbit hole to go down mm-hmm. with the psychology of how you see, how you process the, that it's information, really how you see beyond that information. Is there a good book or a oh, book God, or something you recommend on that? It, it's kind of put together from a bunch of things. Um, I can suggest some. But the main, oh, I tell you what, let me. I've got it here. Audio, I love audio books. Oh man, let me listen to it. Yeah, long I sculpt, drives are brilliant. Long drives and sculpting. I can't sculpt to music because I get the pace of the music. <laughs> so if you got kind of fast music going, I feel like I've got to sculpt fast. So um, there's a, there's oh god, uh, your deceptive mind. Um. This is very good. <laughs> so, Steve Novella. Your Deceptive Mind. Yeah, and this is The Great Courses. He's done another one as well. It's just very interesting. It, it, it covers a broad range of things. It covers a lot about critical thought. That's perfect. So that, that's a really good one. It's a more general, but it does deal with how we see, how we process information. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's just a very, very good one. Uh, this is a great book that's got to be people should look at. Black box thinking by Matthew Said. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's the principle of how we how we deal with problem solving and how we um, it's it, the the core of it. Uh, it goes off into a bunch of different areas, but the core of it is the fact that in aviation, the reason why, you know, everyone says that, and it's absolutely true, that you can get on, you know, to fly is so much safer than driving and such like, is because in aviation there's a bunch of rules that have been put in place, which is how problems are reported and how they're addressed. And basically there isn't... Um, people putting up their hand and going... I've made a mistake, or this issue happened, don't get kind of hauled over the coals for it. Right. Because if they do, they wouldn't report them. Exactly. Right, right. Because, and so in aviation, you can't do that. You know, everything has to be high, because basically one tiny problem can kill hundreds of people in one stroke. So aviation industry as a whole has always had this attitude, which is much more open to dealing with problems and issues and, and addressing them. Which is why it's safety record and, uh, and even how planes work and everything is so much better. But then it talks about the medical world and how surgeons and consultants cover things up. And there's all that don't talk about, don't uh, you know? And there's payouts for litigation, all that right, kind right. of stuff. And it damages and, the progress. And damages it, and that's it. And it, it right. stops progress. And you kind of go, why is it that aviation is such a phenomenal record? And, but medical world is a disaster and then it applies that thinking to everything but it's um, it's how to be self-critical it's how to basically go look it, we are uh, human nature you want to kind of point fingers 
and you don't want to take blame for mistakes, but actually the best thing you can do is make mistakes and analyze them. Right, right. Which is what we do all the time, and which is why I kind of like it because, yeah. you know, we, we're there, you make a mold, and if the piece doesn't come out, the first thing you're going is, you don't stomp off and cry and yeah. get upset. You go, why didn't it come out? What was wrong? Yeah. Oh, look, there's a lock. We, I got an undercut. Damn. Let, I will avoid that in future. Yeah. yeah. Or why is it? Why is the, the cat plastic sticking? Why is this happening? Why do I, it's all that analysis. Now I put these kind of keys and they're not locking well. I should, I'll use a different key next time. All that self-analysis mm-hmm. is how we improve our work, and we're used to doing it. You and I—that's that, that's human. That's normal to us. Mm-hmm. That's why we're good at making molds, yeah, and we're good now, at solving problems. The generation nowadays—they're sort of trained for the test. It's not the kids' fault so much no. as the framework in which they've been brought up. Everything's to and it, avoid, except, avoid error. And, yeah, and it's people being people. defensive. Yes. Oh yeah, it wasn't my fault. I'm not saying it's your fault. You, there will always be a problem. The mold will always break. There will always be. We're making a new thing. Every time we create something, we're creating a prototype. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. all you can do is try and make a better prototype next time. So, when someone comes up and, and something goes wrong, you don't hide it. You be open about it and you discuss it because that's how we make it better next time. But if you hide it, if you disguise it, if you brush it under the carpet. It's hard, and it, it's hard sometimes. You know, I mean, it's a hard culture to get into. I mean, we did. we try and do it with, like with the prosthetic event, for example. You get to the end, and we're all exhausted. But come Tuesday, you know, we dropped all the kit back and dropped the vans off, and we sit and we have a sit around a table. And it, it's always difficult because it's an emotional time. Everyone's building up for months. It's been a huge process, and there's uh, and everyone's lots of driving, lots of hours, very exhausted. And then you've got to sit there and go, what went wrong? <laughs> and talk about all the things that went wrong. Which feels like such something you don't want to do. Mm. It's the last thing you want to do. You want to, you want to run around, you either want to just sit back and go, thank God that's over. Or, you know, be joyous or be whatever. What you don't want to do is have someone go, well, why did that go wrong? But it's not to point fingers. It's to go, well, look, the best time to address this is in the very immediate aftermath. Yes. Because a month down the line, we'll have forgotten it all. Yeah, yeah. We'll, it will be rose-tinted spectacles, and we, we all think we did a fabulous job and completely forget yeah. about... Neglect the things that would actually help us have a good time. So we've got to just have that conversation, and it's not about portioning blame. It's about going, right, what didn't work? How? Let's make a note now that next year we need more barriers that next year we need to widen the aisles. Next year we need to... All of those things. Um, and it's a hard culture to do. It's very easy to avoid it. Mm. It's very... No one wants to do it. But, but again, it's grasping that nettle. It's the people that are prepared to go through that work, and it is work, it's, yeah. that, that's where your improvements will come from. And, you know, anyone who steps up to me and says, you know what, I did this, It's all. it's gone pear-shaped... I think this is why I'm trying to work this out. I will support, I will get behind. It's the person who goes, well, that went wrong, but it's not my fault. For God's sakes, it's it's not the... No one's going to kill you for it. No one's going to... Just let's understand why. Mm -hmm. 
we'll all get together and we'll make it work. But let's make sure we understand why, because if we understand why, then we won't repeat the mistake. You know, and the worst thing is a mistake that gets repeated and a problem that gets repeated. So it just, yeah, it's taking those things. And it has, you know, Millennium's a big machine. Mm-hmm. You know, this that goes wrong all the time, you know. But if you, if you, there's things that could be sorted, you just ignore. It's going to come back. Oh, is it going to keep going wrong? You know, so yeah. it's a process of constantly the event, the magazine, whatever it is. We take it apart, we think about it, and, and we try and make it work better next time. So let's be honest, face it. And there's a bunch. Of, I mean, I, I I love all these. You know, there's a lot of these books around. What I find interesting is you get some of these things. They all tend to have one idea at the core, mm-hmm. and they're building a tie book around that one idea. And you go like the ten thousand hours, and you go, well, that isn't the whole story. You know, no. your life isn't what. It, everything is far more complex than that so that's one thing but you need all these other things so you need a little bit of everything to yeah, make yeah, it work yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, you know these books but you know you cannot you can see that the, you know the publishing house has gone no, no no we need a one idea you need to put this one idea you need to write about this one idea it's like that it doesn't work it's out. very new life isn't that yeah, 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 yeah. you know there's a whole bunch of stuff you just kind of take from it what you can and just keep building on it. Yeah. Having a, an interest so, in those things. So again, a, a similar one. Turn the ship around. This was a Navy guy. Um, true stories of turning followers into leaders, you know. And it was the same thing. Went onto a submarine that was had the worst crew and turned them all into the best by being, you know, honest with each other. There's another one which is called um, Radical Candor, I think. Oh, right. Which is, I think it was a lady who, she was one of the management team at Netflix. And again, they have a very kind of a system whereby everyone is really brutally honest with each other in the boardroom. Not in an offensive way, but they have to be really blunt. You know, so I suppose Dick Smith was radical candor. Um, <laughs> but it works, you know. It, it's, it's just getting that message across and getting yeah, those yeah. ideas across. There's one, there's a, it's, it's those things, people stick to ideas sometimes and they can't shake them off. And it's the ability to be flexible and, and to run through ideas and, and to adopt an idea, try it, and, when, and recognize when it doesn't work. And so many people are stuck in their ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I think it was the, the challenge of disaster. There's a whole thing about how when they went through everything and worked it all out, they realized that... It, really when you come down to the one thing that was the turning point it was just a very bad powerpoint presentation and what was happening was you know they the, 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 they saw the thing the shot go up the big lump of foam hit the shuttle took off tiles it's up there they can't look at it they're running tests and they basically could put it out to all these various engineers and said, just work out, do you think it's safe to bring it back? Do you think that the potential for the damage... And basically, a couple of engineers did a PowerPoint presentation which they thought put across the point that it was a very bad idea to bring it back. Shit. But and you can find this online. I didn't realise that, that was the thing. So it got up the, there. It was coming back down. That was. Uh, it would, I mean, you've got the challenge in Colombia. There was one that right, blew right, up, right. taken off, and yes. one that 
broke up coming in. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> terrible. Can't remember which was which. Um, but this is the one where the re-entry coming back in. was yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that was the Columbia. Let's see. Yeah, it was the Columbia. It was the Columbia. So, so the Columbia, it had or basically that big lump of foam broke off as it was going up, hit the other side, damaged um, tiles. So as it re-entered, the heat built up and it burned through and it, the ship broke apart. So, so yeah, they had a bunch of engineers trying to work out whether it was safe to bring to do re-entry. And basically, and you can find that, you can even find their PowerPoint princess in <laughs> And it was just how it was presented. So, the, like, the, the headline didn't say, don't whatever you do, don't uh, do re <laughs> That was, like, 0.7 in small things at the bottom. So, human nature is to take in headlines. And we, we see that every day online, you know. You look at Facebook, people go, react to things. And it's like, did you read it? No. You've just taken the headline. Yes. Lots of people, lots of turnover, different presentations. PowerPoint's terrible, you know. I mean, I think Jeff Bezos has banned PowerPoint. They don't, uh, they don't allow PowerPoint to happen because it is an awful tool. It doesn't, yeah, yeah, it's not it doesn't, intuitive, no, it doesn't convey anything. So instead, these two guys are like clicking a button, presenting information, and the final thing is this and this. And really, the pertinent information is very small at the bottom. Yeah. And actually, it should have been the headline, which is, for God's sakes, don't, don't attempt re-entry. But in their minds, they've conveyed the information. To everyone in the room, there was some other words there which basically said, it's a low risk. So ultimately, they said, yeah. And that's what happened. And literally, it was a very... And the problem is, this: these guys are engineers, they're not... PowerPoint presentation people. Yeah, they don't understand how people think or how they can receive the information. And actually, really, what you're looking at is graphic design. Yes. How do you put that information into effectively a poster? Yes. They're not trained to be graphic designers. Yeah, They're yeah. engineers. This is why having multidisciplinary teams is good, yeah. isn't it? Because uh, someone yeah. goes, I, it, it looks great, so, but as a layman, I did not attend any of that. So, <laughs> yeah. And I am your customer. So, <laughs> so the point being is like, no, you, you've got to just get we, we get wrapped up in so many of these things. so people hide behind a presentation or hide behind yeah, yeah. you know and and I've sat there at presentation things just thinking just tell me the information why do you why are we doing this it's terrible mm. this isn't we're not engaging um, so yeah I, I just I'm fascinated by all these processes because I just think the you know trying to run a business trying to do what is a complicated job so much of it is about transmitting ideas, transmitting that process, learning to think, learning to... So, you know, for me, that's my job. My job is to, to look into these things, to understand how better to communicate with people. Yeah. Um, you know, because the better we communicate, the better the job will be. You know, and we've got these fabulous communication tools. We've got the internet. We've got podcasts. We need to improve ourselves now. Yes. communicating. We have the yes. devices. We, we need, need to better at transmitting. And, and so I'm always fascinated just how bad, how poorly some people are still doing this. Mm. 
when all that information is so rich, but sometimes it's because people can't now differentiate between what's the good information and the bad information. Yeah, it's just well presented. Because they're watching, oh, that, that, that YouTube channel was cool, so yeah. I'll say that's the thing that's the authority, and actually the authority is the guy doing the awful video, but his information is good. Yes, they can't distinguish between, yeah, it's the presentation is seen, not the information itself. Mm. It's a tough one. Okay, so let's just, we'll back, slightly back to a couple of things. So if I'm a student or I want to do more stuff, let's try and think of three things. So we said the portrait things, something you could do, just, the portrait thing in clay, yeah. making the masks, like some clay, plaster, slip latex masks. Yep. You'll come across all the molding issues and things in a safe way and, for and not the a lot other, of money. And the other one is very basic highlight and shower dab. Yeah. It's the palette, you grease know, paint palette. Grease paint palette. The Rick Baker was doing it. He was going off doing those things with Mag, doing the face paint, effectively mm. face painting. Yeah. But basically, that is, you know, understanding form, the face, and how to change the face, doing it with just highlight and shadow. Yeah. Again, people are already dolloping wax on there, and it's like, no, you haven't even, you don't even know where you're putting it, you don't know what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Here's basic anatomy. Here's basic. I know it's scary to say anatomy. So people go, oh my god, it sounds like yeah, yeah I've you got to learn medicine. To, now. That's the thing. You don't have to memorize. Yeah. So it's just take some black, take some white, and look in a mirror and yeah, the look at the look, shadow. You know, all that classic that's stuff. It. Just yeah. pick out the basics and understand how to how this form, the shape works mm. and and that adding very simple things can change it and actually you learn the forms you learn the forms by just studying your face and painting it and I did that as a kid I had basic grease paint when I start that's all I did you know you'd sit in the so, mirror yeah super colour B palette from Crowland yeah uh, 12 colours and a brush and you're and away, you're away. And, and you would spend hours and you know it the thing is, people are still doing the same thing. They're just filming it and putting it on YouTube now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just didn't film it, you know. Um, so, so yeah, you know, you just got to try that and the bag of clay and a bit of latex. Whole careers have been built on that. Mm. And you ultimately, know? that's all you'd go from there is, is, a, is, is like more refined, more sophisticated versions of those things. And this is the thing, aren't they? you don't need all the technical stuff. Yeah. But anyway, they're guys who do the latex masks, but they do them brilliantly, yeah. and they do great sculpts. That they're, they're basically a very good sculpture. It's just clay, a plaster mold, and a latex mask, and a great paint job. Yeah, but it's all the cheapest thing. It's latex plaster and a bit of acrylic paint. Yeah, um, it's how you do it, and that really presents you with. But they you know, if it looks it. crap. It's because you've done it wrong. It's not because <laughs> this is it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You don't need to spend a lot of money Master to find that. that. Out. Once you've mastered that, you know, you can spin off into the technical stuff after. Yeah. But if, Christ, if you can just take a lump of clay and make it look cool, make a simple plaster mold and, and you know. Yeah. After that, you know, everything is, you're just learning. Yeah, you're, you're learning more technical stuff, but if you can just do the basic, but it goes back to ZBrush and Photoshop and all those, you know. They're fabulous, amazing tools to do phenomenal things. But if you can't draw, you can't sculpt to begin with, you're a non-starter. Mm. So start at the beginning. And the beginning is clay, plaster, latex. Sounds like a good place to stop. Thanks, man. That's been brilliant. <laughs> that was the most ranty, ravey. <laughs>
Oh God! We had a really good chat. Oh, he's a bit, a bit gruff. Yeah, but do you know it's so weird? We were chatting, and and you realise just how long we've known each other, and we figured out. I think it's. Uh, I started in '96, so it's nearly 25 years. I was like, and we, I kind of that. I realised that while we were chatting, and it was like, holy shit! There are people in my class today that were younger than that. And I wow. was like, that's amazing. It's just, yeah, it's mind-blowing. But, um, yeah, huge amount of respect. Yeah, I, we met in 2004. And then I was looking through some old photographs um, from gosh, when I, I went up to Chesham, when, when he still had the shop in Chesham, mm-hmm. um, after IMATS in 2009, when that's actually when when we got to know each other. Yes, bouncing you were working on your back, book. Boun- bouncing around in the back of that van yes. on the way from London yeah, back, up to, back up to Ches- Chesham. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you got a picture of you wearing a, a Cyberman helmet. Uh-huh. It does really cool things, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing all, the, all the Doctor Who stuff. Um, you know, a lot of new people coming in. You know, they were just new kids on the scene. So. Literally it's always the way, kids. though, isn't it? If you look at the image animation stuff, they were very, very young. Um, these young whippersnappers sure. with their, their good ideas, and yet you know they're normally the ones that will grasp the nettle and, and do the difficult stuff. That's the thing because it is difficult a lot of this stuff. So um, you know the people that are that thrive under that kind of no, nobody wants stuff to be difficult, but you know people that just kind of throw their hands up and walk away. I think just that it's the yeah. nature the nature of the craft uh, pretty much mandates that that some of it is going to be difficult. Yeah. Just, well, because it is, but you could hardly do better than learning how to do it up at from from Neil. True enough, and he's very good at you know pointing out, and he, he's got a very good streamlined kind of technique at you know pointing out certain methods and things, which you know we discussed in the chat. Well, he's very good at at, at explaining not just the how but the why. Yeah, yeah, which, exactly. In my mind, the why is maybe more important than the how because there's there's a half dozen ways to do everything. Yeah. At least, yeah, and why you do it a certain way instead of another way mm. is what leads to those light bulb moments. Yeah, kind of couches it in a context, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Alrighty. Well, um, I guess that wraps this one up. Um, I just say, please check out our website, battleswithbitsrubber.com. dot com. Have a look. We have a yeah, merch yeah. store. And <laughs> we we have a merch store on the website. We also have a, a Teespring store. If if you're into that stuff battles merch and flat mold society i will uh, i will put the links to that on on the on the show notes um and uh, like todd said as well if you have any suggestions uh, for for tutorials you'd like to see on the youtube i mean i'm going to do some anyway but it'd be really handy if they were things that people actually wanted to see um just email us at stuart and todd at gmail.com or get in touch through uh, our facebook group i guess is easy or message us on or, instagram or instagram yeah yeah. Superb. So what are you up to now? You, you, you got a, a busy, you're going to be working on that print thing later or is that just going to be taken away all day? Uh, yeah, I'm going to the, just, just finished printing that part now. So I'll pop that off the bed and get the other, the last piece of it cool. going. Um, I have a, a rather large order of pro bond primer. I have to prep and, and get out, uh, uh, Reynolds Advanced Materials, he, formerly the engineer guy in Atlanta, mm-hmm. they just put in a, a rather large order, which I'm 
I'm thrilled for that people are using it and gonna gonna not be completely broke during this self-imposed uh, hiatus. Mm-hmm. Everything helps. Um, cool. What am I going to do? I'm going to go back to the house now because it's late. I'm going to watch a little bit of TV. I'm going to go see that cat. It's probably tripping balls still. He was in the corner <laughs> of the room just looking at stuff that wasn't there because he's uh, ripped on, on opioids after his surgery. Um, yeah, it's quite funny watching him. He's very affectionate though. He's like... <laughs> It's kind of like a drunk guy at the bar. Like, you're my best friend. Oh, give, him a, give him a little chin scratch oh, for I me. He's very sweet. But uh, hopefully you'll wake up in the morning. It won't be too bad. He's got some stitches in there, which uh, are going to you know melt away over time. But uh, Oh, I imagine once once the the drugs wear off and he's just feeling the discomfort, he's going to not be a real pleasant No, fellow. maybe not. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can. Oh, there we go. Anyway, that's four hundred and fifty quid. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that the vet did a great job, though. I can't grumble, but it's just like you know. Oh, he's just, he's worth it. He is. It's just he's you know, baby. just really stung. It was just like uh, wow. You know, you notice a fang missing, and then suddenly you're like wow, that's a big chunk of change. But uh, got to do it. So yep. there we go. Anyway, hopefully we'll see, we'll see how the things go. If the, if the world is still working, um, we'll be back. Well, we've got a couple in the can. You've done a fantastic interview, which I'm going to put up in the next few days after this one, um, uh, with uh, with Jackie and Brandon. It's it's another another viewpoint of education. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then we'll we'll get stuck into some of our not interview ones, just you and me going through some some subject matter and actually getting to the bottom of some things because there's a few subjects like uh, a big one that's come up a few times is how do you get work in an FX studio? What's the what's the right way to approach it and what are the things to look out for? Um, because obviously, you know, there, there are good things to know and there are also some good things you should not do. Um, so we'll, we'll be chatting Most about. definitely. And, and, and it's a small world if, if you do something that, pisses one person off there's a pretty good chance that they will share that information and you'll wind up pissing off (laughs) quite a few people yeah yes it's a very small industry but bigger than you think but uh small than you think at the same time (laughs) but uh yeah anyway all right i'm gonna go um thanks man good chat to you likewise i'll talk to you soon yes sir have a good day take care man You can get in touch through our Facebook page or email us at stuartandtodd at gmail.com. Check the show notes for more information. If you enjoyed this episode, tell someone else and help us grow by sharing it on social media. Thanks for listening.